Thanks out there. Motherfucker, it's Green Runs Deep Pod, and we out here. It's my boy, Jake Seymour, Kyle Baxter, Reed Miller, GDRD, episode two. Brought to you by the Sausage Guy. If you're attending at any event at Fenway this summer, that would be cool. Because I, I want to know how the hell you're getting into that event because nobody's going to any events. But if you're outside the arena, go see the Sausage Guy. Tell him GID sent you. Get 2% off on your purchase. They got the best sausages in the city. They got the best steak tip subs in the city. Let's get it. Let's go on to episode two. All right, so the first oh, yeah. topic. Jake, Jake, we still we still brought to brought to them by uh, Ride the Wave Media too, right? We didn't get kicked off of there yet. Not yet. Yeah. We're still we're still with Ride the Wave. We're still riding the wave. We're still riding the wave. Still riding the wave. All right, so uh, Sunday night, Kemba Walker made his return in a Celtics uniform in his uh, Orlando debut. So, um, you know, Reed, what did you think of uh, Kemba's uh, playing? Uh, it was he only played uh, nine minutes, but uh, he got um, so it was like six points to show for it. Uh, it was it was honestly like kind of I it looked better than I thought he from what I've been seeing like on social media what people have been saying he looks like people have been saying he looks fine he has discomfort but he looked like his like quickness was back he had a nice uh, ball by the defender and then a nice and one finish at the rim after getting uh, fouled by Aiton it was a nice acrobatic move that was surprising to see. Um, just because we know how knee discomfort could be and how it could hinder his speed and athleticism. Because he, I think, like just turned 30. Um, undersized point guards don't really experience long like long careers anymore. Look at AI. Look at Alan, uh, Isaiah Thomas most recently. Um, Chris Paul. But Chris Paul, exactly. But we've seen he's kind of got brought a little bit back this season uh, with age. But... Um, I don't know, maybe just uh, what we need to see in those short nine minutes. But ultimately, I was pleased with what I saw. Uh, I think he's on the upward trajectory. Uh, he is sitting tonight. That is, I think it's going to be for the best. And a lot of the starters and uh, key role players are sitting. So we're going to see what this bench is uh, made of in big minutes tonight against Houston, who I assume will be also uh, resting their big uh, their stars and role players. Yeah, so I was I was impressed with Kemba, like you said. He had that and one off eight, which was nice because you know drives to the basket with knee discomfort. Obviously, you know looked pretty good. Uh, I'm excited for uh, just to see him back on the court. I mean, you know he hasn't played since before. Uh, I think right around the All Star break, actually. I mean, I don't think he yeah, yeah. played in the last stretch before the NBA went on went on to hiatus. So it was nice to see him back in green. I mean, it's always good to see awesome. players playing uh, for the Celtics. But that and one off Aiden, that was. That was a nice and one. I have not seen a cool and one off like that in a while because I mean, Aiden's a huge dude. So he went up against them like that reminded me of like it back in the day. I mean, yeah. I don't. I thought it was an awesome move. I loved it. Yeah, I was gonna say he like kind of even like looked quicker almost than when right before uh, the NBA shut down. Like he was just like he was in and out of games, uh, missing knee with the uh, games with the knee discomfort. Like he was kind of like. His shot wasn't there. His speed wasn't there. I thought he looked a lot better than he did in early March when the league shut down. But uh, maybe that's just me not watching basketball for the last four months. But I don't know. I think it looked really good, better than uh, what I thought it was coming into that scrimmage, which is what I'm happy to see. Dude, did anybody uh, catch on to the call by Mike Gorman about the chicken salad on Sunday? Yeah. 
Yeah. I thought that, that was, was pretty good. Reiterate for the broadcast later. <laughs> Chicken salad, baby. Can we talk about Mike Cohen for one second? I think Mike Cohen's one of the best announcers in the game. I'm not even being biased. Him and Tommy, 100%, hands down. Absolutely. Mike Gorman's a living legend. Like, anytime you go to a Celtics game, I encourage everybody to go meet him. He obviously is not going to be doing Celtics games forever. And our generation, we're the up-and-coming guys. Like, we're going to bring our kids to games one day. Our kids are not going to know what a Mike Gorman game is called, you know? Like, Mike Gorman has called, like, numerous... I know, right? Mike Gorman has called, like, numerous Olympic events, like, crazy stuff. Like, he's literally a living legend. It's it's pretty dope to listen to him every single night. So, Kyle, what do you think about Kemba? Uh, Well, first, like everyone who else has just beat it into the ground, that dirty little baby hook that he had over Aiton. Brick the free throw, I know, but that and one was something special. Like uh, Reed said, he looked pretty fast and explosive, which is good because... I don't know how far the Celtics would go with Brad Wanamaker as their starting point guard. But, uh, yeah, he looked pretty good. A good return for him. Six points. Not bad. I'd like to say just um, when you say um, kind of off Kemba, but not really. If we're if Kemba's going to miss time, and we'll definitely see it tonight with uh, him out. Tremont Waters has earned, in my opinion, minutes on this team. I'm talking about down the stretch in the seeding games. Because he just, when he's on the court, even for a short minutes, like he just does the things right that you ask for. Whereas Wanamaker at times, like, yeah, he's durable. Yeah, he's always going to be reliant. But sometimes with him, like, less is more with Wanamaker. Like, if he's trying to run your offense, if he's trying to force the ball, get his shots up, then that offense is going nowhere. Something I've been surprised by with Waters is how, like, good of a passer he actually is. Like, he had a nice skip pass to the corner. To uh, I think it was Javante Green at one point, but uh, Green didn't do anything with the ball. But it was nice to see him like look that way, and because it, it was definitely open, but no one else would look that way. He had a nice no look baseline uh, dump down to Langford for an uh, and one finish, which was uh, really nice to see yeah. from someone who was also he was in the middle of like a dribbling to a double team, triple team. So just his ball control, like speed and handle, I think is something that's going to translate well to when those uh, minutes become a little more meaningful because he's shown it in big moments. Uh, in like the G League, obviously, and uh, some few bright spots in the NBA. I mean, people forget Tremont Waters was the rookie of the year in the G League. I mean, that guy absolutely killed it in the uh, at in Maine. So I mean, and that whole Maine team too. I mean, that's a good young core we have. So I'm excited just to see where they go. As for going down the stretch in these seeding games, I mean, like you said, Tremont Waters deserves some minutes at least. Maybe I don't know five minutes a game. I don't think it's you know that much. Just enough to give Kemba and so, and the other guards just enough rest. You know, and those kind of like rotations where you're kind of caught up in between the starters and bench rolls. So I thought he played those, great, so. those are going to be very strong five minutes on the floor for the whole team because of him. Like he yeah. just does the little things right. And that's just what are you do for those five minutes. Are you guys saying that he deserves minutes like in the playoffs and stuff? If he does well in the seeding games, I don't see why not. He yeah. seems to play. It would, a, it would like, just really like short. shock me. It would shock me like him and Taco Fall are both two way players in like. Neither one of them would would have ever been eligible for a playoff roster if the season didn't get messed up because of Corona. But um, no, nah, I just I hear what you're saying. Like I see the guy's production. Like he's a young guy. He's gonna make a lot of mistakes. But I'm with you actually because usually I would be 
uh, completely against playing rookies in the playoffs. And a rookie that will get playing time in the playoffs is Grant Williams, 100%. And in the playoffs, normally I would say no to it, but that's because they got to go into the road arenas, how crazy it is. But now in the bubble, that's eliminated completely. So playing rookies in the playoffs this year is not out of the realm of possibility. So I'm with you on that. I really yeah, I'll go back that. To, uh, what do you say about Taco and Tremont? Like, I think that it's a little more different. Like, obviously, Taco's identity is being the big, tall guy under the hoop who's loved by all the fans. But he's still so raw. Like, I think Waters is a little more polished than he is, a little more mature. Like, he has that identity, who's going to be, like, even for those, like, five, seven, at most, ten minutes a night. Um, he's going to just be that, like, rugged, quick, like, on-ball defender who can make plays for you on the floor and just keep a uh, team within the game while, the while like, Kemba or Marcus uh, Smart sit. Whereas Taco, I think, just gonna, it's not going to be this year. It's going to be, like, maybe even next year. Who even knows? But uh, I think that's the difference between them. I think it's pretty big. But uh, the reason that Tremont didn't get so many more minutes was obviously because he was dominating the G League, but also just that just how crowded that uh, backcourt is. But um, I, I expect that to change within these seeding games, and he definitely in the next season. Hell yeah. Yeah, Chairman Waters had nice. But I also want to talk about Jalen Brown because he absolutely lit it up in the, that first half. He had 18 points in the first half, finished with 21. Obviously did not play in the fourth quarter, but he looked like nothing happened, I mean, to be honest. I mean, you know, look at Tatum. He was a little rusty in the beginning, but, you know, progressively got better. But – Jalen Brown, he was lights out. He was perfect almost. I'll tell you what it was. It was the Rocky Balboa training he's been doing all quarantine with his grandfather. Yeah, you exactly. You know, yeah, it's crazy. That, it's ridiculous. He has like that uh, the moment mentality. I mean, he shut off all his social medias. Uh, I don't know if they're back up, but they were shut off for a while because he said he wanted to get on a routine yeah, in Orlando. So, I mean, that's the moment like, mentality right there, I guess. Honestly, yeah, like, like the, the first quarter, you just you go, you go. Sorry. I apologize. The yeah. best thing about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is like how Jason Tatum made the all-star game and that got him all excited. And then Jalen Brown missed the all-star game. So that got him all mad. And that made right. Jalen Brown fuel the fire. And dude, the guy has so much to prove in the playoffs. It's not even funny. He's been in the playoffs his last three years in the league. Like he has a lot of experience and now he's going to do his thing. And that is yeah. my X factor. If you've been paying attention, Jalen Brown's my X factor. I don't even know if he's an X factor. But I think he just you can just rely on him for that. Like the way he played in that first quarter, he just he stepped into all of his shots, just sunk them right away. He finished. I think it was like seven for thirteen, like three for six from three. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, uh, finished the first out eighteen. Uh, finished game at twenty one. But um. I don't know, just like he just looked like he was, he knew what he was doing right away. Like you saw him like his rookie season, he looked, he was just like a raw athlete who just a pure athleticism. That's it, no real game to him. But you saw him just add that layer year after year after year to the point where he's, I would call him an elite two way player now and have no problem saying it. Um, I'll, I'll fight anyone otherwise who says that that's not true. But, he needs to make an all star game to be called elite first. I don't care, I think he is right now. <laughs> You're sipping that green juice, though. That's why. Yeah, it tastes good. You probably you probably follow green runs deep too much. Um, nope. I I did say that I did say Jalen's my X factor, but I want to branch off on that after I reflected on those two games. You guys gave your opinions on Kemba Walker in that game Sunday. I'm gonna give you guys my takeaway from the two scrimmages thus far. 
what I've noticed about this Orlando bubble, the arena they call it, I noticed that it is very quiet in there. And a player that needs to step up a, like immensely for the Boston Celtics is Marcus Smart. Sorry, I'm getting phone calls. A player that needs to step up is Marcus Smart, 120%, because he needs to be screaming at the top of his lungs in there and fueling these players with, like, his influence. The guy's been in the league already four or five years now. Like, you got to, like, push these young cats around and, like, be that force because there are going to be other teams out there with LeBron screaming at his players, like, and that's going to be what's heard. Like, there's no fans in there. I think Marcus Smart is going to be, like, underrated, like, he is that guy that is not quiet. All right, yeah, I will. I will work off that because that is that is a good point. Because uh, what I saw Brad Stevens talk about after the first uh, scrimmage against the Thunder, they're saying like uh, he saw Chris Paul dominate the game because of his voice. Like it's so quiet. Like he Stevens came out and said like Paul basically dominated like and took over the game with his voice alone, his influence because you can hear everything now. And he saw how he was able to just halt the Celtics at every other point throughout the game, um, which is going to be huge. Like you said, like I think uh, Smart can be that guy for us um, because he's obviously more vocal than a guy like Kemba. I mean, so we think, but we, just because we see like uh, post-game interviews and stuff and uh, social media. Who knows? Maybe Kemba's the most talkative guy on the floor. I've never sat that close to the floor before. But um, that is going to be a big uh, aspect of the team moving forward and just who can be who can take advantage of this quiet setting and ultimately like make the most out of it, which is such a unique circumstance. So uh, that's going to be a huge thing that uh, maybe haven't considered uh, thus far, but uh, we'll see if that changes and if it affects the team board, I feel. Here's, I got a hot take. Ready? Marcus Smart to this team is what Kevin Garnett was to the 2008 Celtics. He's that guy, the guy that tells you where to go and is the big leadership. And he almost takes that role as like the alpha dog. I mean, look at KG. There are so many clips of KG in practice of him screaming, you're over here, you're here, and an offense, like getting in people's face, clapping in front of them and stuff. Like that is what Marcus Smart does, and he needs to do that even more because especially in this bubble, because like you said, LeBron and Chris Paul, all those veteran guys that have been in the league for a long time, even like a Dwight Howard, I mean, he hasn't been the most successful in his career, but he knows what happens and where everything goes, and they can just point out stuff and start screaming at people, telling them, you need to go here and then watch this. You know, little stuff like that is what's really going to push these, you know, mediocre playoff teams over the hump. I think that you should get kicked off this podcast for putting KG and Marcus Smart in the same sentence. But I, I do see where you're coming from. Like, first and foremost, like, I don't mean any disrespect when I say that. KG is obviously in a crazy other level than Marcus Smart. But you're saying Marcus Smart needs to be that fire underneath Locker, these guys, exactly. waking yep. them the fuck up. Exactly what I was saying. Like, there's just no toughness like KG, though, bro. Like, and I know you were a little bit younger than me, so you didn't experience it. But, bro. KG used to make me that was sitting row 15 in the balcony behind the basket. He used to make me want to slam my head through the freaking backboard when he would slam his freaking head on that. Ah, Let's call him more of a Tony Allen than a KG for now. We'll just call him Tony Allen. And then... Dude, I mean, I wasn't trying to say that he is. He has I was a to lot that. of leadership categories, though. Marcus Smart is a leader. I really feel that, but. 
Yeah. I mean, I was trying to say, like, Marcus Martin needs to be like a KG. But also, I mean, KG is my favorite player for those exact reasons. When he used to come over and he hit his chest and he come over, oh, like, yeah. he sat on the basket with all that. I mean, that that gets me so high. I go back and I watch all those 2008 DVDs and he's doing that, bro. Like, that hits different. But but enough living in the past. We've lived in the past way too much this episode already. we got to move on right now. The Celtics tip off in less than 30 minutes right now. What are the key takeaways that we need for this game? Kyle, what do you think? Uh, just let the young guys play. I mean, this game isn't anything important. It's just another scrimmage game. Let the young guys get a couple more experience. Let them get back into it. First couple games, the defense looked a little rusty, so let the young guys just work off that rust, too. That's all I have for tonight. I will say I'm surprised that all the uh, like starting five and like maybe like the top seven or eight players in the uh, rotation – I'm surprised they're actually all going to sit out for the whole thing because, like, these scrimmages, the purpose is to, like, ramp them up a little bit. And to have them sit out, I feel like it's just not going to uh, – it'll ultimately be fine. Like, those first two exhibition games are just are still going to help with their conditioning. But – um, which was a big pro- like big problem we saw in the second scrimmage because their we saw their transition. It was terrible, which is probably a lack, uh, due to lack of tra- uh, conditioning. But um, I don't know, a little surprising. But I can see, I ultimately understand why they're not going to play. So I'm looking forward to seeing like the next like next few guys in the rotation get some minutes. Uh, seeing the rookies, I, I liked what I saw from Carson Edwards last game. Uh, Trayvon Waters and Romeo Langford as well. I expect them to make a few, uh, have some nice spots tonight. So uh, it'll be nice to see them get some meaningful minutes. This move shocks me by Stevens. I mean, he's usually not a guy to bench guys like this, but he's literally pulling a Popovich right now. I mean, I just find it absurd that everybody's just going to be benched because this is the last game before. And I know LeBron, he kind of took a, the last game off, but even just play like those key players for the first quarter and then just move away from them, that'd be totally fine. I just don't understand why you're going to play all these rookies. And I like to see the rookies play. Don't get me wrong. Like we talked earlier that we think Tremont Waters could be that almost like an X factor and earn some valuable minutes in the seeding games. And that's good to get him more reps and more minutes, but he can also have three other quarters to do that. Why not give the starters the first quarter? Yeah. I, he's, the, I can, uh, he's the better Phil Pressey and Shane Larkin of years past, which is an, I don't think it's like a small, like, oh, it means nothing. Like, I, I think a team needs that, like an energy guy to who's reliable, even for those short time, just to, you know what he's going to do on the court. So he's it. always useful for that reason. So I think that's huge to have. It's going to help in the playoffs. It's going to help next season and hopefully and beyond if um, he continues to progress into a, like this nice role player that I know he can be. I will say this about these uh, preseason games, whatever you want to call them, scrimmages. Like a lot of people were like hating on these three games that they put in front of this these uh, NBA players, and I think like these are like a blessing in disguise because if the Celtics played like. Right out of the gut, like they would have got smoked in against Milwaukee or whatever they had to play. Like, I think these three games were really good. Like, obviously, we haven't even played tonight. The rookies are gonna get their uh, their time. I'm really excited to watch that. I actually will 100% enjoy this way more than like seeing the starters out there, anyways, just because like we missed out on summer league this year. So I kind of want to see our young guys go at it tonight. You know. No, I like watching games like tonight. I, I think you're right. I, we get to see, like, uh, these – because there's a handful of rookies who came in uh, last year. That would, a lot of them we just didn't see a whole lot of. Like, hoping we see Taco tonight. Uh, we haven't yet, and I'm a little disappointed in that. But um, I'm also a little confused by that. But um, I think tonight 
will be the night. That's my take. But uh, Bro, it'll be besides, besides Taco Fall's dad fucking his wife, or I don't even know if they were married. Who brought Taco Fall to where he is today? It was GID and the Spike King. <laughs> if it wasn't for us dressing up like tacos, Taco Fall would not be Taco Fall, bro. Am I wrong or am I wrong? It's a hot take by GRD. That's not even a hot take, bro. We literally <laughs> like, brought him to the next level, bro. It wasn't anything about anybody else. Like, Give the media exposed. You're right, a million congrats. percent. We were there in Summer League, his first fucking game when he went wild. We were there. We were there in Boston in his first game in the preseason. We were there in a freaking, like, he's played in, like, six games. Four of the games we wore the taco suits to. I mean, it is what it so is. Before, you do the math. Before you even started fanboying him, no one else in Boston was looking up at the sky and seeing him. It, it took you guys to to point him well, out to the rest of them. Thank you. So it's not even that, bro. But this all started the Taco Fall bullshit with us was Taco Fall, like, in 2016 – he was like a freak athlete at USC. And on my Green Runs Deep page, I used to like always follow his page. And Taco Fall used to follow Green Runs Deep. Back then, when he was in college, he followed my page. So I had a weird little obsession with Taco Fall. Like, I think I just messaged him a bunch of times and he just ended up following me. That motherfucker unfollowed me one of those times along those lines and him falling off in college basketball, whatever. He unfollowed me, and then he made his way to the Celtics as an undrafted free agent. And when he did that, Bab said, like, oh, let's go buy some taco suits and let's act stupid. So we did. The rest of history. What's that? He ended up following you again, or is it still? No, he still hasn't followed me, man. I need to have a talk with that motherfucker. Write a letter. What I'm hearing, though, is that GRD recruited Taco Fall in college, so that when he went undrafted, Boston was the first team that he signed with, or talked to even. It's just like, it was very weird, because I, Babs was talking pre-draft situation, he was like, dude, the Celtics should draft this guy, blah, blah. And I was like, draft this like, freak of nature, I agree. Exactly, <laughs> and it was, it was like, more they or less me saying. And they, even, they didn't even do that. They signed him. We had such a good chance to get Bobo and Taco, and we only got one, and I'm still a little salty about it. I'm not going to lie. Well, and keep us in the top. We're going crazy. You looked athletic, bro. You looked athletic, dude, in that uh, scrimmage. So, all these three scrimmages, they don't mean shit. The Celtics are coming back on Friday versus Milwaukee. A lot of people could look at this ser- uh, game as an Eastern Conference Finals preview. Myself, I'd probably go with the easy hand, and I think that is going to be the Eastern Conference Finals preview. But what do you think, like, we're going to look at? Are we going to look at, like, Giannis come out the gates and, like, just dominate and get every call? Like, he is the MVP of the league. Like, what's going to happen? The refs percent stars, so I think so, yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of Giannis at the free throw line first game, first few games. It's coming like that across the league with the league stars. Um. I don't think it'll be Milwaukee, but I do think one of these top teams, whether it be in the Eastern or Western Conference, is going to take a dip in the standings. Just It's going to be a tough adjustment for some teams more than others. 
and uh, Patega's at a team in the top, like, top half of either uh, conference is going to take a dip. And I'm willing to bet it's probably – actually, I would pro- I would put – I don't know, is, is Denver the t- – Denver's the four – no, they're the third, I think. Yeah, they're the definitely third. a top but seed. I, think, I don't see – I don't see it with them. I don't think uh, Slim Jokic. I think he should have stayed fat. That's my take. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I can't. I, I think it's gonna be a tough adjustment for them because they're not very deep as it is. And if my if the I do like Michael Porter Jr. But I do. I don't think it's this year with them. Maybe next year. Definitely not next year. But you know, it, it's it's gonna affect them more than. The other top seed, uh, top teams in either conference. Fair so, enough. LeBron and Giannis are the two MVP candidates. You can say whoever you think is supposed to win it, whatever. But right now, I feel like I feel like they're both going to dominate. And I feel like we could see them in the finals. But those are going to be the guys that are get every call because they're superstars. And like like we said, like those are the guys that the NBA loves to get calls to. I mean, we started. I mean, GOD, I know you were there in that. Conference finals back in 2017, all the calls LeBron got. I mean, that was there. I saw it. It was kind of it was BS. I'm not gonna lie, but it, so like, just, it hurt. It was like it hurt. Well, I, I want give us a chance. There. I want him to get to that level where he's getting the calls. He's not quite there yet. I don't want him to. I don't want him to get there. I don't want, I him, want him to be a pussy. You don't want 20 free throws a game from Jason Tatum, bro. <laughs> there's been games where he got to the line a lot, and it's like wow, points really are that easy. Like it's crazy. I'll yeah. be honest, like, in my whole childhood, everything, like, the Celtics haven't had a, a player like Tatum. Like, Tatum is not Paul Pierce. Tatum, Tatum's ceiling is a lot higher than Paul Pierce, bro. So, I'm, I'm very excited for the future, what could be. But the kid could also leave Boston, like, tomorrow. And it is what it is, you know? So, I'm, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. I love Tatum, and he's, like, one of my favorite Celtics on this team right now. But I don't, I'm not confident that he stays here past that four, four-year contract that he's going to get this year. I think he's out in four years. And unfortunately, I think he's going to L.A. I mean, he's an L.A. boy. He's a big Kobe guy. So I would not be surprised if he ends up in the gold and purple after the green and white. So that hurts to say, but it's the truth. I mean, good yeah. happen if he does. Good Anything could happen. I was, I was talking today with my friend. I could see a suitable team in the Eastern Conference, I could see him going to Miami. Like, Miami is on the way up. Like, anything is possible. Um, I don't want to talk about negative things like that, but... Or five years into the future. Let's... let's... Hey, gotta, keep, gotta keep looking forward and not get stuck in the present. But speaking of the playoffs, uh, I think the underdog in this playoffs, I want to touch on the Clippers a little bit. And I want to touch on Lou Williams because I really thought the Clippers were the underdogs on the Lakers. I thought that they could beat them. But now with Lou Williams being an absolute clown and leaving the uh, the bubble and going to his little uh, restaurant, like, dude, you don't think that there are other guys in the bubble that have a favorite restaurant that can't go to their restaurant because they're in the bubble? Like, you, like I don't think he understands how selfish he is. And another Celtic who was a big part of that 2008 team, Kendrick Perkins on ESPN yesterday kind of talked about him. And Lou Will went on to on social media and kind of just dissed Perk and was like, "Oh, you better, you better be ready next time we meet up." And it's like, dude, Perk's right. You can't go out to a, you know, you go into a funeral or a wake, whatever it was, and then you come back, and then before you come back, you stop at like a restaurant. Like, you can't. Do no, that. he didn't stop at a restaurant. Well, it 
it was a gentleman's club. club. Yeah. I was, yeah. No, no, I mean, it's, he, he it was a restaurant really inside the club. Food. That's what it was. I, I will say, no, no, he, he wasn't lying when he said he was going for the food. Because the establishment, I, I heard this, they have like an order, like, because he, he apparently like, he loves the wings there. There was an order in his name there. So I think he was, like, he was absolutely going there for the food. I don't doubt that. But uh, he got caught because Jack Harlow uh, posted an Instagram uh, story of him, which is all totally his fault. Like, well, I mean, it's mostly Lil Williams' fault for breaking that sort of uh, agreement. But he has it's to know what that's It's not Jack's fault. Don't put that on him. <laughs> Lou Will was I'll, there. I'll, I mean, I'll, if you, I'll, if you I'll, tell me if you saw Lou Will in public and you took a picture with him, you wouldn't immediately put it on your Instagram or Snapchat story? Don't say you wouldn't. Cool. Like any idea. Will, I don't know. If I were to go up Didn't and speak with him, probably not. <laughs> but maybe from afar, I would. No one knows I why. Think I'm it, I think it's absolutely crazy how disrespected Perkins gets. Like, yeah, he's obviously saying things to get views on ESPN and everything. But at the same time, like, the guy has a big point. Like, Lou Williams went out of the bubble. I'm not going to comment on whose funeral he went to, but there's NBA investigations going on that supposedly he said the guy's funeral was his grandfather, but come to find out it was his friend's grandfather, which I do not want to judge at all. That's not my place to judge. But I will say this, like his decision to go to whatever restaurant strip club he went to is, is detrimental to not only his team, but the other teams in the league that are there to try to make money to put food on the their family's plates. Like, not all those guys are at strip clubs going to get food right now. They're dealing with the Uber Eats or the shitty-ass Postmates that they can get to the bubble, bro. And I don't know. I don't respect that. Not only respect his move, but his clap back to Perk either. Like, he should just swallow the bullet at this point. Like, he was wrong. He's going to miss two games that do mean something to his team. And they're going to go on from there. But at the end of the day, I think karma will come back at them. And if, if one of them on that team does test positive, I think that they should all look at that guy and say that guy is one of the guys that didn't really take this shit serious. Kind of like a Rudy Gobert. True. You Although could point the I'm finger at him. Nah. Gobert, Gobert was in, like, he just had a tough luck. I mean, look at him. Like, this was, like, did any of us take COVID seriously at that point? Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, nobody in the world really was taking COVID. Like, the majority of people weren't taking COVID seriously when he did that. It's kind of like a little joke. But now, like, looking back I mean, on it, he's an idiot. I I think the Spike King and myself took it very serious. We did not trust anybody in Boston. That's why we dressed up as we did <laughs> for the last game in Boston. That's true. I think, I think we're kind of model fans in a sense. Like, like <laughs> we knew how severe this could be before it got severe. And, yeah, there were a lot of people trying to come up to us that day and high-five us, and I was just telling them to get the fuck away from us. You know, it's a good thing you did because Brody Gobert was there. Playing chess, not He could have No, he wasn't wasn't there, though. He was there, like, uh, I think they played the Jazz on Friday, and the game that we did that at was Sunday. So we did it at the last home game on that Sunday. I think it was March 8th, and then they played – Versus the Pacers a couple days later in in Indy, and they canceled the season after that shit. That's right. MLB is fucked up right now. So the Miami Marlins like what eighteen? 
players yeah, that yeah. are positive. I think it's that's up to 21 now. That's and, wild. Uh, well, the MLB just came down and said that they, um, they're postponing their – or suspend, excuse me, they're suspending the Marlins season indefinitely right now. Or well, I think those, that's why the NBA is the best and they're the smartest, and they know how to handle stuff like this clearly, and the MLB does not. So Adam Silver, best commissioner in the all four sports. I agree. And on that note, I think that we should wrap up episode two. I really appreciate everybody that has listened this long. I appreciate Kyle, Reed, Jake for coming on today. And I think the best is yet to come with this podcast. I think next week we're going to keep grinding. We're going to keep trying to break some shit down for everybody at home. I think we're going to get on Apple by next week. I think we're going to get on some. Yeah, well, well, wait, Jared, we want to... We have some fans. Since we're the voice of the voiceless, do you want to uh, share some of those questions the fans had? Maybe answer a few for today. I want to eat green apples on game day now because we're on Apple. Let's go. Let's let's fire questions. Throw some questions and we're all going to answer them real quick. All right, I got one. This is uh, from Celtics Rising. Uh, will the Celtics' lack lack of size hold them back from potential matchups like Milwaukee and Philadelphia? Um, I don't think the lack of size will hold them back as much as the lack of like toughness. The toughness from a team like Philadelphia, Embiid, uh, Al Horford banging underneath the hoop, like guys like Ennis Cantor are gonna have trouble with that. Robert Williams, he's gonna look foolish against monsters like that. I think against the Lopez brothers over in Milwaukee, some cousin fuckers up there, I think we could bang with them too. I think in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics will be good against them. I think the only big man that will give us trouble is Embiid. And I could honestly see Pascal Siakam giving us a tough one. I mean, I know we talked about it last episode that, you know, it's going to be a bar fight against uh, Toronto. Um, especially, I think Philly though, Philly I think may, may scare me the most because it's going to be the first series and anything can go. And, you know, there was just a four-month break, and we know that Philadelphia had a really bad season, really underachieved. But they've also had four months off, so they had time to work stuff out and, you know, new rotations and stuff like that. So Something about interesting about Philly is they're finally doing what, you know, I want them to do nothing but fail because they're our greatest uh, adversary. But they're doing what I, if I were the GM of the uh, or coach of the Sixers, they're doing now what I would have done a long time ago, and that's put Simmons at the power forward. They started doing that and putting Shake Milton at the point guard. If first of all, if Simmons is now seeing a sports psychologist to learn how to shoot a three-point shot, something I've been shooting since a fifth grade and didn't make till seventh grade. So if he's doing that at age twenty-three and it took him that long to do it, then good luck, buddy. But um, he can be that sort of like Walmart branded Nikola Jokic type, uh, big who can shoot, handle, pass, whatever. And I think that will work uh, work nicely with Embiid because what's been going on right now isn't going to work, and they need that sort of point guard who can step in and have like a greater impact than let's say Shake Milton and one who can actually shoot a three. So uh, good job on them for doing it after four years now with Simmons. Um, good job on Brett Brown. But hope it doesn't work out. But it's what I would have done too. That's all I'll just say about that. Uh, last question, Al. We'll use for now. Uh, it's uh, from at Dom underscore Bailey 81. Uh, what do you think about the Celtics bench? Uh, Kyle, do you want to start that one off? I mean, 
we'll see tonight. I mean, tip off in five minutes. I think the bench is definitely deeper than a lot of people think. Um, I know there could be some rotation moves because we basically have a fifth starter or a sixth starter, sorry, in Marcus Smart. So I know he's basically a starter, but he's still coming off the bench. I, I contrary to you, Reed, I do like Brad Wanamaker a lot. He's very good on the catch and shoot three. I think he's highest in the league. I know I get hate for all my takes. And, More like uh, Brad Wanamaker. Or like bad one like a it's, shot. It's Taco Tuesday, so I hope Taco gets some pretty good playing time tonight. I like Brad Watermaker. I mean, he's decent. I mean, he's nothing special, but thank you. Hey, I'm not I'm not starring him, but I'm also not gonna not play him. I mean, I think he's, he's a first good off the bench. I mean, I think he's highest free throw percentage in the league. He's right? unexciting, unexciting. Yeah, but he gets hey, if, it, if it wins this game, I'll take it. That's no. exciting. If I no. can't make so memes about him, he can finish a fast break layup. He knows how to do that very well, and which is nice to see for someone who's just sprinting at full speed and miss a hit going right into the stanchion every time. But uh, he can finish a fast break layup, which is with uh, something positive that we'll give to him. But um, I don't what know, does like that do for me, exciting. a headache on the floor sometimes. But not gonna go deep into bad. Want to make a shot. Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> what does that do for me? He doesn't do anything for me. Exactly. He's a very nice guy. I will leave it at that. Let's get one <laughs> more question. Split, spit it. Spit it. Yeah. I only have one question. All right, I'll pick one out. All right. There were a uh, lot of questions in there. A lot of people are making fun of me. In there. Yeah, you guys got to keep it sports related. <laughs> yeah. I oh, I got so. one. This is, this is a pretty cool one. All right, out of all the NBA players you met in person, who's the friendliest and the most arrogant? So I'm going to start this one off. So the most friendliest I met, I met a, a lot of NBA players uh, on the Celtics and off. My favorite player I've ever met is hands down Devin Booker. I got a quick little story about it. So Devin Booker, I met him before his 70-point game. He signed my rookie card. I told him when I met him, I said, hey, tonight I want at least 40. So that's it. I want 40. And he goes, oh, depends how I'm feeling. So then I'm sitting up in my suite. And I'm watching him play, and he, he hits 40 in, like, I think it was, like, the third quarter. And I'm like, oh, he hit 40. And then he hit 50. And then 60. And then he went for 70, and I, like, lost it. Oh, so it was you. That was so you did it. You did so the I, 70. Yeah. I, you know, I put, I put it in his head. So, But, no, to make it even cooler, I see him the next game he's in Boston. And I had, a, I had an old phone that had a Suns logo on it. So I, I gave it to him. I said, hey, can you sign this for me? And I told him, hey, you know, you had the 70-point game. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I remember you. I got you. I got you. And I like that made my day like that's the best experience i've ever had with any looking for a new fourth member as we found out that uh he's actually playing for the other team now and uh <laughs> opening up drop 70 points every time they step in the garden so taking applications uh jake seymour hey. is off now the, the suns have not been good and relevant in like the last last what 10 15 years i mean besides booker 70 point game can you can you guys name one thing that's happened to the suns they got the legend Aaron Baines in the offseason. And he's playing on, like, another level, too. You ask opponents to come in and drop 70 points, and they do it. Like, that's, I asked like, you, we can't have that. He, Go to games he, he gave me 70. Exactly. I can't control that, hey. and I respect it. Does anybody else have an answer to this question? Or wait. No. Anybody I have not NBA players. The best NBA player I've ever met, and it was the first time I ever met GRD either in the taco suit. I love Boston Sports Co. Taco Fall. I met that guy. That guy was big. I held my hand up to him, and he was shocked. No one had ever asked him that. And I mean, my hand was quite literally like half the size of his. 
I'm six foot. Like, I'm not a small guy either, but he dwarfed me. Like, he was huge. You like, a lot of people say this it, about him. Like, if he gives you a hug, it, like, feels like an envelope is closing. Like, it's crazy. Like a plastic bag full of chicken bones. <laughs> I'm going to go and set it, telling you guys about the nicest person that I've ever met. I'm going to tell you guys about the biggest douchebag in the world. Russell Westbrook. I can see that. This guy literally, like, I've witnessed at TD Garden before a little kid with a Thunder jersey, Russell Westbrook, number zero, when he was on the Thunder, like, literally run right by a little kid with his jersey trying to get an autograph. Like, that shit broke my heart. I was, I got mad. Another jerk is Paul George, I would definitely say is a douchebag. Um, Nice guy players, Al Horford, absolute nice guy. Even before he came to the Celtics, I would say that. Um, Gordon Hayward has always been a very good guy. Damian Lillard, phenomenal guy on the court and off the court. CJ McCollum, you could say the same for him. Like, there are a lot of really good guys around the league this, like, at this time that a lot of people don't even expect. Like, there are a lot of human people out there. But... I think that wraps it up. Episode two is in the books. I appreciate everybody for listening. Like, subscribe. Let's go. Rate us. Follow our socials. Follow our socials. Throw them out real quick. Boston Sports Center 617. (laughs) 395. The real Kyle runs deep. I got to fucking run to take a piss. Hopefully, Jake will get my social right in the uh, description next time.